like our content? It's funded by viewers like you. Please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of New Church Live today. Good morning, folks. I'm Pastor Chuck Blair. Wonderful to have you here. Whether you're joining us in our in-person audience, our studio audience, or you're joining us online, it's great to have you joining us today. And what we're going to look at is, is, this, is this question, what happens when we die? What happens when we die? And it's, it's a question a lot of people think about. I think all of us face in a certain way, obviously. And what I'm going to ask you today as we start the service is just take a breath. And who do you want to invite to sit beside you today? You know, and think about somebody who's near and dear to your heart, who's passed on or who may be passing on in that relatively near future, and just bring them here with you today as a way to just start to think about, yeah, how does this question work? And what is this question? What happens when we die? What does it have to do with our life today? Because it's such a beautiful circle. We ask that question and we think about heaven and what heaven's like. It circles right back and teaches us about how we're supposed to live our lives. Now, today we're going to be tracing it out just, just as like the flow of divine providence, this, this river that runs through our lives from, from one point to the next. And we're going to be talking about what happens. And, and, and with this, folks, like this is basic core theology to the, from the Christian New Church perspective. But the Christian New Church perspective is always pointing back to the Bible always pointing back specifically to a lot of what Jesus said about, yeah, this is what to think about when we start to answer this question. And today I want to start out reading this question and this point, sorry, this point from the end of Jesus's life. This is where Jesus in the Easter story, crucifixion, he's being put to death and he's being, he's being crucified. He's, he's dying between two criminals. And this is the story. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at Jesus. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth today. You will be with me in paradise. It's this beautiful perspective. It, 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 folks, just think about it. Here's Jesus, and Jesus is going like, look, today. Today you're going to be with me in paradise, in heaven. I think there's so many ways we can read that. We can read that as the moment in our lives where we actually get to experience just this little bit of heaven, and we, we can experience it as well and in this bigger picture that, yeah, there is a heaven, and, and we're just, it's just a thin place between here and there. And when we live life well, we live life with both feet in both worlds. And we should look at this, folks, it should bring a smile. I mean, where we're getting our stuff from today is largely from this book, Heaven and Hell by Emanuel Swedenborg, where he talks about what, what goes on in heaven, what goes on in hell. And it's, it should leave us all again with a sense of joy. As a pastor, I am so lucky that I get to be in part of many different environments with many different people going through many different stages of life. And I've come to realize that, that a lot of the time, some of the best conversations start out where someone kind of leans forward and goes, Chuck, this is going to sound weird. Or, or, or Chuck, you're going to think I'm crazy. And then they tell me a story. A story I received a, about a year ago was, uh, was at a wedding, 
and, and this, this man was talking to me and he had lost his brother in an untimely way and his brother had, had left him in his will what all men want to be left, a junkyard, literally with a bunch of old cars in it. And he said, yeah, you know, when I was, I was walking through after my brother had passed and I knew he'd given me this junkyard and then, and then I look up and I see my brother sitting in one of the cars waving at me. And then he disappeared. Now, do I believe that that's true? Yes, <laughs> I actually believe that's true. I believe there is a life on the other side. And I believe it's just such a thin place. I mean, folks, one of the things that brings me a lot of joy is, is, is just thinking about how many of us just, we just know that. We may not be sure what it looks like. We may not be sure how we get there. Different religions talk about getting there in different ways. But there's this thing that nobody's quite sure of. It's interesting how many people are sure of it. How many people really understand that, oh yeah, there is this way that this is somehow working and there's a thin place and it really feels like heaven is just on the other side. And that in all of our lives, we're just knocking on heaven's door. It's just, it's just right there. So friends, as the musicians come out for the first song, I want to welcome you to New Church Live. It's wonderful to have you here today and whatever part you are, if you're going through an immediate form of grieving or you lost someone years ago or, or you're contemplating losing someone or you yourself are thinking, yeah, for me, I wonder what this question looks like. It's great to have you here. We're gonna have a lot of fun in today's service. I'm gonna be doing it completely extemporaneously, which is sort of like a high wire act without a net. So any mistakes, I know you'll receive them gracefully because I really just want to be in the spirit of like, oh yeah, we can smile because of this. Because heaven is near. Welcome friends. Welcome to New Church Live. Give me love, give me love, give me peace on earth. Give me light, give me life, keep me free from birth. Give me hope, help me cope. With this heavy load, trying to touch and reach you with heart and soul, my Lord, oh please, take hold. Understand you, won't you please? Oh, won't you give me love? Give me love, give me peace on earth, give me life, give me life, keep me free from birth, give me hope, help me cope with this heavy load, trying to touch and reach you with heart and soul. i 
understand you Won't you please, oh won't you Give me love, give me love, give me peace on earth Give me life, give me life, keep me free from birth Give me hope, help me cope with this heavy load Trying to touch and reach you with heart and soul Give me love, give me love, give me peace on earth Give me life, give me life, keep me, keep me free from birth now Give me hope or help me cope with this heavy load Trying to touch and reach you with heart and soul. Thank you, guys. So let's let's start this journey together, folks. So I want to talk again about this idea of a river runs through it, this idea of divine providence. And again, as we go through this, you are more than welcome to text me in any questions you might have, because when we end up at the farther end of this river, we're going to be fielding questions in a Q&A format that people might have about this particular topic of what happens when I die. But starting here, it's, it's so interesting. A, a phrase I've always loved is the idea of return to first. That the life really works in these beautiful symmetries. And sometimes we don't always get to see it. Sometimes it's like we're just caught in a couple of pieces of the puzzle. We don't see the whole thing. And then there's other moments where all of a sudden like, oh, I see it. A full circle moment. Last night, for example, Susan and I had dinner with, with two of my best high school buddies and their wives. That felt very full circle. Very full circle. Going back to 16 years old and hair. And folks, you think about how life goes, right? The deep within us, and we get these, these little memories that we, we get to cherish, and in, from our perspective, we call them remains because they remain with us from, from infancy, infancy through, through our lives. We get these, these little tender, tender pieces, these little bits of gold, these little tiny shreds of light. You know what they are. Again, it's fascinating, drawing full circle. We talked about this last week. Anytime I'm in conversation with someone about someone who's passed, they'll go right back to that. They'll talk about that little precious moment that made such a big difference in their life. So, so there's that, that deeply precious moment, and then we start to go through life. And with life, we bring that precious moment with us, but then we also bring lots of challenges with us as well. Fancy theological term there, hereditary evils. And those are just, just think of destructive tendencies that we have. What's yours? Are you prone to anger? Do you have a few control issues? <laughs> what is it for you? You know, we all have these things, and they're just, they're just patterns that we have. And, and folks, like it's, it, it, gets, it gets to a point in our life where where I think where we can actually start to befriend these things because what they are is they're really invitations to do it differently. 
When we step into our lower selves, we step into that part of us that doesn't work particularly well, we literally feel like, oh, I'm just not myself. I mean, think of the last time you really lost your cool for a completely unjustifiable reason. And then in apologizing, hint, please apologize, you know, in apologizing, you're like, I don't know what happened to me. I just wasn't myself. Well, that's because you know that's not you. <laughs> because you know that, that anger, that control, that whatever, it's not you. That deep part of remains is, and that deep part is hooked right into heaven. And, and how does that deep part speak to us? Well, friends, it speaks to all of us through the best intentions that we carry with our day. And that's what to think about. Like, all of us have, and I see this a lot, but it's such an important starting point. All of us have best intentions. No one wakes up thinking, how big a jerk can I be today? We have those best intentions, and that's God kind of speaking through us. And then, and then we have this voice of compassion as well that, that, you know, God will get us to notice things. And when we notice, our job is to step into that. That's this process of life. And as we go through this, this sorting process, it's known as this thing. It's known as repentance. And we take step, step, step. It's repentance. Jesus says all the time, Repent from sin, for the kingdom of God is coming. He says that constantly. Lines very similar to that. Don't forget, the word sin, and this is a review of real core theology, the word sin is Greek for shooting at an archery target and being off target. How many of us have already been off target several times this morning? That's how it works. So when we're off target, it's kind of interesting. Here are these remains, these precious little parts of us that start to call us back very quietly. They start to call us back. And the word repentance literally means to rethink. It's totally justifiable to look at Jesus' words around repentance and to think what he's talking about is when we're off target, how about you rethink? And that is, that is, that is part of life. You know, I had a, uh, a young adult uh, texted me, and, and uh, <laughs> he had lost his cool. He had, he had sworn at somebody. He felt very bad about it. He's like, I'm never doing that again. And you know what I texted him back? You are going to do that again. Because guess what? He's going to do it again. But that's the point. It's progress, not perfection. It's going through this life with this balance. And, and some days we're going to choose poorly, and some days we're going to choose well, but we're always going to choose. And through this choice, Martha Graham, listen to this with full body listening, please. Martha Graham says it so well. I mean, she nailed it. Famous dancer, probably the most famous dancer in American history. She said, the athletes of God wrestled and grew strong. They chose and they acted. That's it. It's this wrestling that takes place. It's progress, not perfection. Jesus was not big on the perfection game. Jesus was big on the meaning game. And so that's what we do is we kind of walk through life with this both and, and that's how it should be. And what we can do is we can hold those moments where we get off track, we can hold them and we can go, yeah, it's off track, but all it is is an invitation back to my best self. 
Now let's continue on with the journey of life. So we wrestle with those things, those things back and forth. We see lots of big changes in our life. Things like willfulness becoming willingness. Things like the movement of faith from here to here. And from down here, heart of stone becomes a heart of flesh. We start to see those things start to open in our lives. And so much of it, folks, with this journey, it's not necessarily always what we're attempting to do. It's what God is really doing in our lives. And we get to see that on occasion. And then we start to really see it at these moments that are called threshold moments. Threshold moments are are when we come to the very edge of life. Probably all of you watching this here today have have walked to a threshold moment, either yourself or with someone else. It's literally that edge. Coming back to that phrase, thin places, you know, that idea of a thin place, that idea of the Celtic view that it's, it's just very, very thin. There's sometimes where the spiritual world is just right there. Folks, we we see that all the time. We see that all the time when we're with people in those last stages of life. It's interesting watching what happens. Been a pastor now 16 years. And I realize I don't want to make this a universal statement because it's probably not. I could just share my experience with this, that time. I've never seen anyone afraid in those last moments. I've never seen anyone afraid. I've seen lots of people worried about their loved ones. How are they gonna do? But never about themselves. It's interesting, folks. You know, what comes to mind with saying that and, and take a look sometime. It's fascinating. We, we saw a little clip that mentioned this, but I'd re- seen this years and years ago. You know, 9-11, they have like literally hundreds of cell phone calls where people called loved ones and left messages. Not one of those messages was about vengeance. They were all about love. They were all about what we really come to know in that moment. And it's a moment, like in a very, in very humorous way, in a very humorous way. Take a look at this, this picture here. This picture goes way back. Anybody guess, know what that is a picture of? That's a picture of the original cast of Star Wars. And I'm showing that because like, I remember that from back in the day. That's what they really look like. And that's sort of what I think this part is. All of a sudden, like the costume's gone. And we really are who God intended us to be. We really become that very best intention. And what happens is we pass. And what happens at that moment? And I think folks, like I was having a conversation with someone about that who was was facing a very serious loss just a couple of days ago. I think, I, I think that we have that peace that passes all understanding, that deep rest, even in the most traumatic of experiences, that starts to happen before we pass. 
I think our bodies can go through a lot of travail. But I think our souls, I think our souls are untouched. I think God gathers that and holds that and loves that so that as the Bible says, you know, there'll be no more tears for the former things have passed away. So what is it that happens on the other side of that as we take another step? Well, on the other side of that is is this great spiritual learning. The first part is we wake up and we are surrounded by a love that is unimaginable. The Lord sending his very highest angels, which by the way, were with you way back there with your remains, just a little theological point to surround you and surround you with nothing but love. It will not be scary. Your loved ones did not wake up afraid. They woke up loved. They woke up loved. And then we start this process where we continue on, you know, this work of repentance in the spiritual world, this work of learning. Here's, here's my props for doing that. Some of you have seen these before. These are my bricks of love. Our four loves, love of God, love of other people, love of the world, love of self. Our whole life is about changing these around. And that's so much part of, of, our, of our time in the, in the spiritual world is, is it's a learning time where we start to see these things differently. Life starts out with the bricks kind of this way where love of self is a priority, then love of the world, then love of other people. And God is kind of way out there, sort of God of the gaps. And it's, it's interesting when you look at it this way, it's, 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 it's the two primary things. Oftentimes in our lives, you know, we're, we're deeply, you know, we're not at our best. We're deeply selfish and deeply materialistic. It's about us and our stuff. And then you add in, it's about us, it's about our stuff, and it's about our friends. And that's it. Just so you know what that experience is like, friends, and this is one I use all the time with young couples that I work with. It's just like being in a junior high school cafeteria. So anyone out there who thinks junior high school cafeteria was the peak of life, please let me know, because I bet you it wasn't. And you think about that, that experience where, where, you know, and it's not, I'm not saying like eighth graders, most selfish things in the world. No, but there's, there's a selfishness that's so self-conscious. It's like everything is about them. It's not, it's not a happy place to be. Incredibly self-conscious. And then part of the way that's, that's seen is this, is this concern with the world. Like, I have to be wearing certain things or a certain hairstyle. And then I have to sit at a certain lunch table, love of others, because somehow my identity is just with those people, just wearing that certain thing, because I'm so self-conscious, as Thomas Merton said, I need to layer myself so that in some way I'm real. It's interesting talking with people over the years, people will remember, you know, working with couples, they'll tell me exactly what it was that they needed to wear. For me, it was Nike shoes, Levi jeans, 
a t-shirt, blonde hair parted right down the middle. That's what it had to be. What was it for you? Think back to that time. And doesn't it feel nice, folks, like being free from that now? None of you were thinking about that this morning, I guarantee. You know, we do just change and shift. And what happens, and it happens through this time, and Swedenborg talks about this, the spiritual world, the world of spirits, this time where we're learning. And what happens is this changes. So, so love of self, we don't lose love of self, but it becomes this bedrock of self-confidence. This, this part of you that just knows, we'll figure it out. For those of you who are parents or grandparents or, or caregivers in some way, that, that sense of self, it's, it's a really, it's, it's an important thing. Because folks, just imagine again, a young adult coming to see you who's all panicked. Or, or maybe you have a teenage daughter who's facing a really hard breakup. I mean, what do you tell them? I imagine you tell them with a great deal of confidence in your voice, honey, it's going to be okay. This is hard. Let's talk about it. I want you to know it's going to be okay. That's what the love of self does. It's this, this deep foundational part that is just, it's just going to figure it out. And it knows it's just going to figure it out. And maybe those solutions won't be necessarily always easy or perfect or, or things that we might, um, uh, you know, things that we might look at and think like, oh, this is the best scenario ever. I mean, a lot of the time a hard thing happens and then something else happens, but they're, they're so different. But this ends up being the answer to this, but we never would have seen this as the answer to that. You know, we just wouldn't have seen it. The God, as Abraham, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel says, you know, the God of surprises is always at work. So self-confidence happens. We get this self-confidence. And then love of the world. And love of the world is no longer Nike shoes, Levi jeans, and hair parted in the middle. Love of the world is, honey, did you see that sunset? Can you believe how beautiful it is to watch a horse run across a field? Can you imagine? I can't imagine a better sound than the ocean waves. We're quiet enough now where we can finally hear it. I mean, even, even with our children and our grandchildren, if you're a caregiver at all, you know, so much, as I was mentioning to Rob right before church, so much of this beautiful stage is we just get to watch them do their thing. That's so good. And that's all we need. I mean, I'm just coming into this realization, I don't get a vote anymore. But I sure do enjoy watching. As they find love, as they find connection, as they find all kinds of things in their lives, as they find a purpose. So that's love of the world. And then comes love of other people. Love of other people is, again, we start to learn to love other people in a very different way, and, and we start to love them for them. Our theology is really clear. What we're to do is we're to love the good in the neighbor. So I'm going to step way out here. You know, that means we have to draw close enough to the neighbor 
that we can actually see and experience the good in them. We actually, like, again, think of drawing close enough. Think of seeing that. Really seeing the good in the neighbor. And then that's what we serve. That's what we help. And that's what we're learning when we're in the world of spirits is, is we're learning how to do that better and better and better and better. But again, folks, there's a continuity here. A little segue. Six years ago or so, uh, I had a cabin out in Lancaster area, and one of the people who lived in that little cabin development, uh, he was a religion professor out in Kansas. Uh, He came over to talk to me. I'm telling him, yeah, I'm a Swedenborgian pastor out of Bernathan, Pennsylvania. And, And he said, oh, I love Swedenborgians. They believe heaven is near. Oh, so, so good. <laughs> Such a good description. Heaven is near. And that's why, again, this journey is, is so much our journey. You want to know what this feels like? Just share with someone tonight. Share around the dinner table. It's one of my favorite questions to ask around the dinner table. Who's on your heart today? Who is it? The amazing part to that question, folks, everyone will have an answer. And some of them will surprise you a great deal as you hear about who's really on their heart that day. That's love of other people. And then there's love of God, you know, the, the highest of loves. And it's, it's folks, and it's, it's easy to think of this as like, well, I'm going to go to elementary school and I'll learn this, then, I'll, then high school. And da, da, da. No, it, it all kind of wraps together and we start to see God's love kind of as the, as the blood that runs through it all. We love God, we love other people. You know, if, if, if Jesus was here and we said, how do we love you? He would point at other people. He'd be, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. That's how we do it. So this, this love of God, it, it, it starts to permeate things. And again, I'm, I'm using some of the pieces that I use when I teach this to young couples. And, and one of the pieces is, is talking about like socks left on the floor. For young couples, it's amazing the ubiquitous nature of young males leaving socks on the floor. And we can talk about leaving stuff around and, and the bride-to-be will talk about how hard that is for her, et cetera. And if you just pick up after yourself, why do you just leave it there? And, and then you get into the conversation, the beautiful part of it is then asking that person to just take a breath and think, okay, God, just give me your eyes to see that. Just give me your eyes to see those socks. I preached on this a few years ago, and, and, and when I was talking about it, I, this one bride, I said, well, what do you see when you see socks on the floor and you're coming from like, okay, God, give me your eyes to see it. She got this, you could just see her shoulders go down. She went, oh, they're just socks. That's good. See, and that's all the stuff we're learning. And that's the world of spirits. And, and as we learn that, folks, our paths start to wind through these beautiful places. We actually, through that, we, we, we start to connect with people who we've known in this life. You ever, you ever be around, if you ever around a friend where you're just like, that feels like home. You know, where you were just sitting around a dinner table and you just felt like this is just home. 
Those are the people you're going to be with. And it's not at the exclusion of others. It's not like they're not there or they're not part of your journey. They're just not the home part of your journey. And they get to be around you. You get to be around them. That's, that's, That's part of the beautiful journey. And then, friends, beautiful part, another step, is then you find the one. Part of the journey is finding the one. We believe firmly, unequivocally, in soulmates. Now, sometimes that might be somebody who you've been married to in this life. Sometimes it's in the Lord's divine providence. We don't know. But what we do know is that this happens. And it's, it's been very sweet over the years to, to, to hear couples talk about, you know, as one partner's passing, just, just you know, uh, even my, my mom yesterday, my, my parents are just getting older. They're, it's not that their demise is imminent or anything like that. But my mom's like, I keep on telling your dad, he's, gotta get, he's, he's just got to wait for me because I'm coming after him. <laughs> and that's... And that's great, you know, and I think that really does happen. And maybe we experience that life. It's called conjugal love in our particular denomination. Maybe we experience it in this life. Maybe we didn't. Maybe we're single. Uh, maybe we never get married. But we will experience that over here because that's, and again, folks, it's, 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 it's not the language. I'm so careful. I, I don't like the language you complete me. I don't think that's what it's talking about. You complete me means each of you is a half and you're looking for the missing half. I mean, if you use that language, I don't want to be insulting about it. It's just not language I like a lot. I I think the equation here of conjugal love is not half plus half equals one. It's one plus one equals three. It's two people coming together, and somehow that relationship is greater than the sum of the parts. And you have a beautiful marriage. A beautiful, beautiful marriage. And that marriage is where love, wisdom, and use come together. And, and that usefulness, that idea that there's something outside of you. We've done this a bunch of times, what we fight about, what we fight for. You'll figure out what you're going to fight for. You'll figure out what you're going to try to create. And then the journey winds on. And then we, then we find we've got our people. We've got our partner. And then we work more and more into our purpose and our place. The purpose we step into is is the unique thing, the unique thing that only you can offer. Only you can offer it. I mean, it's, it's always so powerful watching these musicians week in and week out, and they come out and they just have these beautiful songs, and, and each of them plays a certain role but none of them can play the role of the other person. That's what it's like. It's like like a choir like that, where you have your thing that you can bring, and your job, your obligation is to bring it. And don't forget, asterisk, heaven's always near. Like, we can start to live that here. And and that usefulness, it kind of has three different levels. We believe that heaven kind of, there's three levels. But don't think of it like a layer cake. Think of it like a marble cake because all the layers kind of blend together. So this is deep theology here, folks. Celestial, spiritual, natural. 
That celestial part is the part that is just, it's just all about love. All about love. The spiritual part is much more oriented around service. Like, how do we serve? And then the natural part is far more about like the, the structure, the laws, the institutions, the, you know, how do we create containers for that? And all three work together. You see it all the time, working with and watching people do community service projects. There needs to be love there. There needs to be this idea of service that we're here to serve. But boy, those people who can create the structures for that to happen, God bless them. I'm not one of them, by the way. But I really appreciate watching something that's run well. It really has a very easy structure to kind of plug into. I think of places like St. Francis Inn, Ronald McDonald House, Gift of Life, those places we've done many things with over the years here at New Church Live. They're so easy to work with because they have all three of those levels going together. And I think about places where, to be honest, we've only served once because there weren't all three. And any number of them, if they're missing, it just... It just doesn't work. But that's part of that path. And then, folks, we step more and more into our place. Jesus said it so beautifully. He talked about the many mansions of heaven. And I go to prepare a place for you. That's what he talks about. And then he goes on to say, you know the way. You know the way. And I love that idea of the way, like, like divine providence, you know, flowing through all of this. And, and, and I imagine we'll arrive there, just be like, oh, this is home. That's why spirituality is the art of homecoming. A fun thing to share with someone is to just talk about, like, where did you feel that? Because probably all of us have felt that somewhere. Maybe it was on the beach, maybe it's in a cabin, uh, maybe it's, uh, you know, at a house in Florida, I don't know. But, but that place you just felt, oh yeah, this, this is home. This is home. And folks, what heaven is, is heaven is all those things coming together. Our people, our person, our place, and our purpose. And for those who are thinking about their loved ones right now, that's the journey they're on. And that's, that's the journey where, where I think probably you have a sense of what that journey looks like for them. You probably had a sense of like, oh yeah, this is what I see them doing. This is what always lit them up. These were the people they just loved to be around. That's heaven. Now, as the band comes out here for a middle song, that idea of eternity, folks, like, that's what eternity becomes. Where we just move more and more into those things because, because love is infinite, love's eternal. We're not worried anymore in the same way. We're just understanding life in a new way. Literally, in a new 
way with a capital W. Now, when we come back after this, I do want to invite you, if you have any questions that this has brought up, please shoot me a text message to 215-740-3662. And we already have some questions that we, we got ahead of time on social media, so we'll be looking at those when I come back. But if you have any you'd like, like to address, we're going to address the ones we can. As we look at that question, what happens when we die? to see I feel like I'm knocking on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Just like so many times before Mama put my guns into the ground I can't fire them anymore Like I'm knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. like so many times before these tears from off my face I can't see through them anymore Get me out of here to some other place 
like I'm knocking on heaven's door. Oh, oh, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door every day. Knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Knock, 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 knocking on heaven's door. Just like so many times before So what a, what a beautiful song and beautiful harmonies there, folks, and, and knocking on heaven's door. And, and what we're going to do now is then we're going to look at some questions and, uh, yeah, just talk about some. We won't be able to do a whole lot of them, uh, but I do want to do a few of them, and I want to do a few. And I want to start out here taking a look at a, one that somebody just sent in, and I think it really is true. This person says, not really a question, more of an observation. The love and connection I felt with someone while they were here, the more I've had the actual experience of connection after they passed on, probably because my radar is more attuned to their real presence now. And that, that can happen for some folks. Like I definitely have seen that happen where, where, you know, where that core person that we know is underneath it all, where we really come to like strangely know that better you know, after, they've, after they've passed on. So let's, let's take a look at some questions here that we have. I wonder about this, babies who die before birth and taking a first breath. Can you address this for me or private message me or do it during this service? So, so that idea, there's, 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 uh, it's very typical in the Protestant faith to believe that, that uh, a child is not a, a, uh, an actual um, sentient being until the child takes a breath. How do you hold that? Like if you have a miscarriage? Well, You'll hear different pastors talking about this in different ways. I believe that the, the breathing mechanism happens early, you know, and I believe that if, if you have unfortunately miscarried a child and, and you have a sense of that child as a person, of course, that child's in heaven. And we believe that the beautiful part, and it's, it's beautiful slash tragic, is that when a, when a child passes, which happens, they sort of get to pass go. In other words, they go right to heaven where they're raised, will you see them again? Will you experience them again? Yes. Will they know you? Yes. Firmly believe, firmly believe that. Nothing, so, so much of, of heaven is this idea, nothing is lost. Like it's, it's our whole human experience. And yep, we lose some of the, some of the rougher edges, but, but, but all those people who are with us in our life I think maybe it's, it's like the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where we just get a sense of like, oh yeah, they were in my life for that purpose. They were, they were it, it just somehow we get this sense of it was supposed to be, or, or this is the way life went, and, and it all somehow belongs. Even the hard parts, it all somehow belongs. That's a, that's a great question. 
Another question, how will I know I have died, that I have passed over, and I'm not in some sort of limbo state? This frightens me very much. Another great question. How will you know when you've passed over? Well, the way, the way it gets described is that it's, it's, when you pass over, it's done very, very, very gently. And we just have this sense of, of movement, but we're, we're really, I can't stress enough, we really are awakened spiritually with just absolute indescribable love being poured into us and surrounding us. Anytime you look at somebody who has a near-death experience, that's what they talk about. They talk about like, well, I stepped into the light and like all of a sudden I just felt this love that was like a love I could never imagine and da-da-da. And I, that's true. That's because it's what it is. And it's, it's, it's like the Lord's going to make sure, the Lord's going to make sure that you're not afraid. The Lord has made sure that your loved ones who passed, that they weren't afraid either. That they felt deeply held and deeply loved. And then with, with, with our awareness, you know, one of the things that, that, that we talk about is the idea that as we go through heaven, like even our physical senses, it's not like we're flying around there as ethereal beings, sort of like wisps of smoke. No, we actually have a spiritual body. And that spiritual body, we, we start to experience things not in a limbo state, but in a, but in a much more real state than what we could ever imagine. I think about talking to someone who, who had a heart condition and they had stents put in. And uh, he said like, Chuck, I had no idea how much trouble I was having breathing until I got the stents put in. And then all of a sudden it's just like, oh, whew. No idea. Imagine there's a lot of heaven that's like that. And even the hard parts, even the hard parts, and somebody had a question, a question about that. They, they said, well, well, what about the vast stations? Like, like, how do we work with that? Well, what happens when we're in this spiritual place, this world of spirits sort of sorting it out, a lot of our really challenging behaviors will be surfaced. And, and it's easy to think of that vastation is when we have to look at that and work with that. It's easy to think of that and think like, oh my goodness, I don't want that. There was, there was, there was one, one pastor, by the way, and I thought this was, I didn't agree with this at all. He, he, he said, yeah, you know what? We can plan on having all our sins on, the, on a big screen movie in front of everyone. I don't think that's happening. That doesn't sound very godlike to me. But I do think this stuff gets surfaced. And, and the fact that it gets surfaced, folks, I think that's really beautiful. I mean, probably a fair number of us watching this have some sort of nagging thing. And it could be a nagging habit that we just can't seem to kick. Or it could be an, even a nagging physical ailment. And if we just look at it even from the physical nature, wouldn't it be nice to have a doctor who actually could tell you how to get rid of that? Could actually offer some kind of healing? And I think the same with our spiritual sicknesses. Like, what a, what a grace that'll be. And yeah, it will, it'll be uncomfortable, of course, but, but it'll be like a boot camp where we go to work on that and we're actually working on that with other people who are working on those things too. And it's all done within a context of love. It's all done within a context of care and support. Like, it's good stuff. So I don't think we need to be afraid of that. All right, we'll get two more questions here. 
Do you really think our mental illnesses melt away after we die? Will people be responsible for their actions and words that were a result of their illness? If they suffer from addiction, are they responsible for harming or neglecting others while under the influence? The way I understand this is, is there's, a, there's a core us, and you know this. Those of you who have loved ones who struggle with addiction, you, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And my guess is you probably know a deeper them. Now, the addiction may have taken over, and you may not see it very often, but you probably still know it's there. That part, if you think of it this way, kind of gets pulled out and put on the side as all of life has all its unravelings. And, and that bit of sort of, um, I'm using the word suspended here, I, I don't want to sort of break it too dramatically because I think there's all ties, but, but I think, folks, you know those people who are, who are struggling with depression or addiction, I think you know they are not their depression. They are not their autism. They are not their schizophrenia. They are not their addiction. There's something else that's there. And folks, and we all, I mean, I think we all struggle. We could, we're all addicted in some way. We all have a mental illness in some way. I certainly don't want, to, want you to feel like our job is to parse that out. It's not because we all struggle with all of that stuff. But heaven is about where it's just, it's just you're, not, you're not that. I mean, I remember Dan Gottlieb speaking on this. And, uh, you know, one of the speaking on this stage, Dan Gottlieb is a quadriplegic. And uh, he was talking about, about heaven. He said one of the things he struggles with, he goes to a lot of funerals of people who've been wheelchair bound. He said, one of the things I don't like when pastors say it, I don't like when pastors say like, oh, you can picture her running now or him running now. And, and I, I don't think it's bad to picture people running who've been wheelchair bound at all. Like, obviously, like that's a good thing. But he, his perspective was interesting, right? As somebody with quadriplegia, he, he said, no, this is heaven for me. Heaven is where it won't matter if I'm in a wheelchair. That's true theology right there. Because that's what love would say about it. And then we had a couple of people come up with this one, and I think this is a big one. What happens to people who take their own lives, who commit suicide? That's a big one. So I want to say this, you know, for those of us who've lost someone to suicide, first off, you know, just, just a real heartfelt, like that is one of the hardest things to face in life when someone we love takes their own life. And how does God hold that? Well, how does love hold it? How does love hold it? I don't think someone in that much pain that is going to reach the other side and God going like, well, you really screwed up. Now I'm going to give you an eternity more of that. No, I, I, think, I think that their true selves, that self that is, is actually down underneath, gets surfaced and they get to work on those things that were so painful for them in this life that they find life anew, a brand new life. They've already experienced hell. Maybe their experience of heaven is even greater than any of us, any of our experiences will ever be. 
I remember we had Kevin Hines up on this stage. Kevin Hines, uh, you can look at his talk on New Church Live's website. Kevin, Kevin Hines was a suicide survivor. He jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And he told a profound story that speaks right to heaven. What happened was, was Kevin jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. As soon as he jumped, he realized this is a huge mistake. And what I didn't know about, about that kind of event was, was he, he jumps off and literally you go 70 feet underwater because you're hitting with such force. I mean, just imagine trying to swim up through 70 feet of water, just that alone, right? So he's, he's down at the bottom of this, of this 70 foot plunge that you take and, and he's struggling. He's realizing there's no way he's gonna be able to swim back up 70 feet. And what he feels is he feels this thing bumping him up to the surface. Now, what's happening at the same time is a woman has seen him jump. She's up on the bridge. She pulls over. She calls the Coast Guard and she's looking down to, to him and she sees him, his head break the water. And then he sees, sees a, a big seal that's been pushing him up. Now, Kevin, granted, Kevin said like, Chuck, you're not gonna believe this story. That's how he prefaced it, which is I told you are always the best stories for a pastor to hear. You're not gonna believe this. I'm thinking, yeah, I probably will. Well, a year goes by, him and his dad decide to come back to this place where he had tried to take his life and to just honor that memory. So what he does is he brings a flower out, he drops the flower off of the bridge. Hits the water. Guess what pops up? Say it. A seal. <laughs> a seal pops up. That's heaven. It's interesting with so much of this, like, like so much of this journey is, is, is about this understanding, like everything's gonna be okay, folks. Everything's gonna be all right. Your loved ones who you miss so much, they're okay. Matter of fact, they're thriving in ways that we can't imagine. And you're going there too. And you'll go through this process and you'll, you'll see these parts of life and then what you'll start to see is like, oh, wow. God was in it all. The whole thing. The whole journey. And then we'll go back to where the whole journey started. Understanding those remains again, understanding life again, and understanding these words. <laughs> Today. You will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in heaven. Amen. What we're going to do now, friends, is we're going to close this service. We're going to close this service with a prayer, with, a, with saying the Lord's Prayer, and then just a little moment of reflection as we go into our last song. And before that, just want to invite you, we do have a lost group going on right now. And that lost group will be meeting Thursday night, eight o'clock on Zoom. We realize a lot of people will be watching this years down the road. You can always check our website for different groups we have going. But if you'd like to join that group, again, we'll take people who would like to join late. Wonderful group, literally from all over the country. It's very fun to get a chance to talk about these topics with fellow, with fellow travelers. So join me in a prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for that memory, Lord, of our name, of our name of others, of the name of those who have passed on. 
and our name truly written as to who we actually are, actually are in your eyes, in your world, in your name. And Lord, hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, bring you peace, and bring you home. Amen. Have a great week, friends. All things.
things must pass away All things must pass All things must pass away Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for coming today. All things must pass. All things must pass away. All things must pass. All things must pass. Pass away.